The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Well, this morning in this series, we're going to be looking at uh, our friend Jonah. Jonah. Jonah and the whale as it's been billed. Children, there's going to be a couple of questions directed to you this morning. First of all, who's brave enough to tell me, when I say Jonah, what's the first thing that jumps into your mind about Jonah, children? Anyone brave enough to tell me what they think about at the back? Yes? And what about the whale? Yeah. Very good, Jonah. Right on, right on point. Right on point. Yeah, that, that it's Jonah and the whale, and that Jonah was in the whale, in the belly of the whale. And that's quite right. And even if I guess I went on the high street, and everybody does know the story, and if they do know the story of Jonah, that'd be the thing. And do you know, and did it escape your attention, that a guy was actually sort of swallowed by a whale this summer? Did you hear that? A fisherman, a lobster fisherman off Cape Cod, which is on whatever it is, the, uh, the, the east coast of America, was fishing, and he fell into the water, and this humpback whale thought, yeah, well, I'll have you, and he closed his mouth over the guy, actually closed his mouth over, he didn't end up in the belly, he closed his mouth over this guy, and then, didn't like this, spat him out. Spat him out, and you can, you, can, you can look at it. If you ever look at the BBC news clips or anything else, and there's an interview with him, he was had to be taken to hospital, etc. Can you imagine? Because as soon as you start talking about people, about Jonah, they go, yeah, okay. But this, all right, he didn't end up in the belly, but he actually was in the mouth of this fish, of this whale, rather, this humpback whale. And you can read about that. So it's pretty unusual, to say the least. Anyway, that is all to come in the story. So let's get cracking. Jonah lived 750 years before Jesus was born, to give you some sort of idea of where his life was lived. And during Jonah's lifetime, Israel, the country in which he lived, was becoming very powerful. It was becoming a very successful nation. Indeed, even the land that they occupied was, was being they were getting more and more land. They were taking land. And this was under an evil king. And you can read all about the, the, the kings in the book of Kings, but there was an evil king on the throne at this time, and he, he was Jeroboam II. And despite the evil, they were doing well. Well, one day, Jonah is going about his business, and Jonah is a man who loves God. Jonah is a man, we understand, who served God. And Jonah is a prophet, and a prophet means someone that hears from God specifically. And Jonah gets this message, and it's a really strange message. And he says, God tells him this. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. This is the word Jonah hears from God. Now, this is a very, very, very strange message. And Jonah's going, do I, do I compute this right? And i tell you why. It's because every other prophet in the Bible gets a message from God about Israel, about his people, about them. 
not about far distant, wicked, horrible people, about Israel. And so Jonah's going, well, this can't be right, Lord. I can't, I can't. You know, this is a very frightening, hostile, foreign people. They're very wicked. This cannot be right. And not only that, you think they don't even worship the Lord. So this can't be right. So I guess we can see he was somewhat confused. In fact, very confused by this message. Now, it was true that Israel as a nation was meant to be a light, that means to be an example, to other nations, to all nations. In fact, God says to Abraham way back in the beginning, down there at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, he says to Abraham in Genesis 12:3, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, that was spoken to Abraham, but it was through him, through his seed, through Israel. Israel was meant to be a blessing to other people. So they were thinking at this time, although they were doing all right, they were expanding, they were thinking, well, look, if we just look after ourselves, if we do what's ish right, don't worry about anyone else. We'll be fine. God will look after us. All will be well. But that wasn't in God's heart. Well, it's true to say that the other prophets in the Bible all do what God wanted them to do. They all were obedient to what God asked them. But not our friend Jonah. What does Jonah do? Jonah hears this message and thinks, I'm out of here. I'm running. I'm heading for the hills. I don't want any of this. I don't want to deliver this message. It's got to be wrong. And just in case it's not, I'm going. And so he tries to run from God. Now, Children, do you think it's a silly thing to try to run from God? Yes. yes, it is a very silly thing to run from God. And why is it a very silly thing to do? Because God is everywhere, omnipotent. He's everywhere. He's absolutely omnipresent. He is everywhere. And so you can't run from God. In fact, I'll give you, the Bible is full of these verses, but I'll just give you one. Jeremiah, another prophet, says when he's talking through, as it were, bringing the word of God, who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? We can't run from God. He's everywhere. Think about that today. Everything you do is exposed before the Father in heaven. Anyway, run away, Jonah did. And he runs to a place. Well, he goes down to the port and he jumps onto a ship. And the ship is heading for somewhere called Tarshish. Listen, Tarshish is its destination. Now, Nineveh, where Jonah had been asked to go by God, was still a long way away. I looked it up, 725 miles away from Jerusalem. They didn't have aeroplanes. They didn't have fast cars. They didn't have trains. It would have taken Jonah an age to get to Nineveh. I looked it up on Google. 725 miles away from London, Austria. That's how far he was being asked to go to take this message. But he still doesn't want to go there. He heads for Tarshish. Now, Tarshish was in Spain. I say was in Spain because it doesn't exist as a city anymore. But Tarshish is a maximum. 3,000 miles away from Jerusalem. 725 miles against 3,000 miles. Anyway, he gets on the boat. The next thing we know, a massive storm brews up. It blows up. And the sailors who are gnarled sailors, who are used to, to sailing these great distances, suddenly are very, very scared. They've never seen a storm like this. They don't know how to cope with it. And they cry out and they try to do all things. They throw the cargo off the ship. 
Now, that's a precious cargo. That's where they get their money from. But they're so fearful of their lives that they throw the cargo off, thinking that the ship will get lighter and therefore hold higher in the water. And these massive waves won't crash down on it, but they did, and it continued to be swamped. Now, Jonah, through all of this, is below deck what? Fast asleep. Absolutely fast asleep. On, 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 whether he's sleeping on the deck or on a board, I don't know. Now, another question, children. Can you think of anybody else or another storm in the Bible that talks about someone being fast asleep on the boat whilst the storm is raging? Difficult one? Can anyone think of a storm, someone in a boat, sleeping? Noah? Noah was in a boat. Jesus it was, thank you. Jesus was in the boat, wasn't he? On the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. Now, that's a very strange coincidence. So we have both Jesus and Jonah asleep during a storm. Big difference here, though. Jesus is asleep, why? Because he's doing God's will. He is at peace. He knows God is in control. He knows that God is with him. He knows that all is sound and well despite a raging storm. Not so Jonah. Jonah is exhausted. He is very, very tired. He's not doing what God asks. He's running away from God. He's doing the very opposite of what God wants him to do. And so his sleep, although he's asleep, is like an exhausted, I've just absolutely spent sort of sleep. Do you see the difference? Big difference. Anyway, so the captain and the sailors find out that it is Jonah that's the cause of the storm. He's not obeying God. And we heard Jonah say... And I'm going to quote from the Bible here. I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. God, Jonah is running away from God and yet he's still prepared to say who God is, to declare that God is overall. And so the sailors ask, what have we got to do to stop this storm? You know, to, to, to the adults here, I just want to say here, you know, when people do ask, whether directly because they know of your faith, or whether it's by chance, you know, what do I do to stop the storms in my life? I've tried remedies, I have tried methods, I've tried theories, I've tried ideas. I, I just can't find anything to overcome. We must remember that we have the word of life and that we should too be ready to declare that. Anyway, Jonah tells them that the only way to stop this raging storm is to throw him into the sea. But the sailors don't do that immediately. And I can sort of understand why. That would be a terrible thing to do, to throw a man to be what would be to his certain death if you throw him overboard in that sort of sea. And so what do they try to do? They try to bail out the water. They even says in the Bible that they try to row the ship. Can you imagine that? Row the ship against that wind, against that storm. But... <laughs> It's just not doing anything. The, the, the sea gets more wild, it gets more rough. How easy would it have been, do you think, for God to say, that's it, Jonah. I'm not with it with you anymore. There are so many other prophets that I can use, so many other people that I can take and use to deliver my message. I've given you the chance. You don't want to know I've had it with you. Does he do that? But he doesn't, does he? He just sticks with Jonah because the love of God holds to us even when we're tugging in the other direction. He's such that he wanted Jonah to fulfill the plan that he had for Jonah's life, just as he wants to fulfill the plan that he has for each and every one of your lives, even though at times you're going in the wrong direction. God is faithful. 
Let's not be, please, those that run in the opposite direction. Please, let's not try to kick against the goads, as, uh, as it says of Paul when he was uh, uh, coming against the people uh, when we read in Acts. But, but let's use our resources, the things that we have. Let's use our time. Let's use our effort. Let's use who we are for the church, to serve the church, to serve the kingdom, to serve... The needs of people out there. Let us not be like Jonah, figuratively speaking, falling asleep to the things and the needs of those around us. Anyway, so Jonah comes to the, uh, the sailors rather come to the end of their own efforts, and they 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 think, well, there's nothing else for it. We've got to do what this guy says. This is crazy, but we've got to do it. And they do it. They throw Jonah over the side of the boat. And as they are, before they do it, they say, they pray to the Lord of heaven, don't hold us responsible, Lord. We've tried everything, but we cannot do this. We can only do now what this man has told us to do. And after that prayer, in he goes, into that sea. And amazingly, the storm just abates. It grows calm quickly, immediately. How many times do we battle in our own strength before we come before the Lord? How many times do we figuratively, again, try to bail out or row against our storm, using our skills, our efforts, our abilities, the things that we know, this is what I do in this situation, before we come to God saying, Lord, help me. Even today, you see, salvation still comes to those who see the revelation of who God is and the wonder of the love of God. Now, it says in the word, now the Lord provided a huge fish. It says a fish, not a whale, a fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. We're not told what sort of fish this is. We don't really need to know. But everybody seems to think, well, it's got to be a whale, hasn't it? Because what's bigger than a whale? And can you think of a big fish that could swallow a man? Maybe not. But anyway, I wonder what Jonah prayed as he was thrown into that water, as he was thrown into that sea. What do you think his prayer was? I've got a good idea. Help! <laughs> and that is a good place for us all to start praying when we're in desperate situations. Because God loves a cry for help. And he loves to answer a cry for help. And I cannot but help think, as he's, as he's in the water and the waves are coming at that moment, and then all of a sudden this huge whale sort of opens its jaws and goes, ah! I bet Jonah thought, this isn't the sort of help I was thinking of, Lord. <laughs> This wasn't what I was actually considering at this point. But anyway, boom, in he goes, into the belly of the fish for three days. And then in, in, in chapter 2 and between verses 2 and 9, and we won't bring them up, he prays to God at this time. He seeks God. He calls upon the Lord. And in his prayer, Jonah says this, what I am vowed to do, I will make good. In other words, what you ask me to do, Lord, I will now do. I will now do it. And then at the end of the prayer, he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. And at that very moment, the fish or the whale vomits Jonah up. After three days, what, into the sea, where he came from, onto dry land onto a beach, onto dry land. Listen, Nana said at the beginning in her prayer that, that our lives can change in a moment. Yes, they can, and I guess we've all experienced that. They can change the other way in a moment as well. Because God, who can command all things, including the, the, the digestion of a whale, can command everything in your life. So in a moment, just as it can go wrong, you cry upon God in a moment, he can put that right. In a moment, don't lose faith in the abilities of our God. 
God doesn't want us to go through difficult times because he likes to see you under pressure. Why these things come upon us is, I don't really know. But what I will say is that God strengthens us and changes us in those circumstances, strengthens us from within with our faith and our hope in him through those times. Then we read that the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. And he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim this message that I will give to you. And this time he obeys. Goodness knows how far this beach is now from Nineveh, probably more than 725 miles, maybe, knowing God, a lot closer. But anyway, we're not told that. But God does not abandon. He does not cause his people to fail. And in the end, Jonah arrives at the gates of this massive city. And this is the word of prophecy as read from the Bible. Forty more days... And Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. That's it. Half a verse. Compare that, Jonah, to Ezekiel or Jeremiah or, or, or Isaiah and the, prophets and the prophecies that they brought. But nonetheless, these people, these wicked foreign people, listen to this short but ever so devastating prophecy from Jonah and they do it. It gets to the ears of the king, and the king says, yes, listen, every must, everyone must call upon God, the God of heaven. Everyone must stop their wicked ways. Everyone must do what they can do by calling upon him to see whether this can be forestalled or completely taken from us, and that we are not destroyed. Well, we're told that when God heard that they had repented, and he, he relented. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. He didn't destroy the city. Incredible. You know, there are many things that we can learn from the book of jo Jonah. It's a very, very short story. It's a very, very short book. But what really touches me, and we've heard this word used a few times already in this service this morning, is the mercy of God. The mercy of God. How God wants to fix us, to put us right with him, and to bring us back close with him. And, and, and we've got three in this book, fantastic examples of God's mercy. Once repentance has been expressed. What's repentance? It means simply to an expression of regret, a, a deep and meaningful recall of being sorrowful of what we've done and realising that what we've done. So repentance means to change your mind and in changing your mind to change what you do. Okay, so that's a, a very humble way of explaining repentance. So the people of Nineveh repented and God's grace came upon them because he didn't destroy them. This was a city, it says in the word, where 127,000 people lived. He could have wiped them out as he did with Sodom and Gomorrah, but he didn't. He relented at their, oh, they're saying sorry, they don't want to, 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 to come upon them. They've not pushed Jonah away and said, yeah, what a stuff of nonsense you are. They listened and they were saved. I think this is amazing, amazing that 127,000 people are saved just because they listen and they obey this prophetic word. We also see, I think, these people, the, 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 the group of people that are the sailors, do you understand how they were saved in a sense? In the video, we saw that they cast lots. Who was responsible for this storm? It fell to Jonah. It fell to Jonah. 
And they thought, we don't want to throw a man overboard, but in the end, they, they, they do, they have to. And they tried everything they do. But they did cry out. And you can read this as you read the story. And I suggest you go away and read the story of Jonah, as I say, very, very short. They said, Lord of heaven and earth, please do not hold us accountable for this man's death. We are only doing now what he has asked, what you have effectively have told him to say to us. So they repented. They didn't, don't let us be held responsible. And they were so relieved, they were so thankful that when they threw Jonah in, that it grew calm. And it says again that they were so thankful that they, they, they sacrificed to the Lord and they vowed to follow him and they gave thanks to him. Wow, wouldn't I give him thanks as well if I'd have seen what they saw. And then we have the Jonah himself, an individual who did the opposite of what he was specifically asked to do by God. He came to his senses in the belly of that whale. He prayed, he said, Lord, I've done this wrong. God heard his prayer, he went to Nineveh, he did what God asked him to do. Amazing. So we have Nineveh, we have the group, we have the individual, all receiving God's mercy when they see the error of their ways or when they call upon him. But the, the greatest gift of God, of course, in all of this isn't to a city, isn't to a group of people, isn't to an individual, it's to all of us. It's to every man, woman and child that's ever lived. And his greatest mercy is in Jesus Christ. Isn't it? His greatest mercy is at the cross. For the word says, and it says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we, and each of you this applies to, were opposed to God, when you were tugging in the other direction, a bit Jonah-like, when you were running and you were, your ears were deaf to anything God would have to say to you, he has made the way for us to be forgiven, restored, blessed, and to be sons and daughters of the living God. The mercy of God is amazing. The mercy of God never comes to an end. It is amazing. And uh, I, I, I know that Yemi um, brought this scripture to us a couple of weeks ago, I thought, yeah, that fits. And it's Lamentations, not a scripture that's uh, expounded upon too often, but Lamentations 3, 22, 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. The mercy and the faithfulness of God holding true to us. Do you know, it was true what Jonah said about Nineveh. What did he say? They are guilty and they deserve destruction. How many times do we think that of situations, people, where we hear of things happening abroad? They deserve destruction. But God didn't destroy. He didn't destroy. They were guilty and they deserved to be punished. They deserved to be judged, but God didn't bring that judgment upon them. The sailors were living selfish, heathen lives, lives that had no attention about God, just about a sailor's life, just about their own gathering, no doubt, of greater wealth than what they could ever get. Anyway, they were prepared to throw a man overboard and kill him, but they cried out to God, don't hold us accountable for this, Lord, and God, in his mercy, forgave them. And when they did what Jonah had asked, the storm became quiet. Jonah had been disobedient. He'd had a command from God, he ran the other way. Peter denied that he knew Jesus three times. Paul was so ruthless 
in his early days that he hurled all those that he could lay his hands on, those that followed the way, those that followed Jesus, and he hurled them into jail, or worse. King David made so many errors that it says that he broke over half of the Ten Commandments in his life. And yet he was held up and blessed and honoured by God when he said, I am sorry, and sought forgiveness. Moses killed a man because he saw him mistreating another man and brought his own judgment and killed a guy. And yet when they said they were sorry, the mercy of God was that he used them, he restored them, he used them mightily. Listen, there is nothing that our God cannot do. If you come to him, if you seek him, if you ask of him, if you cry out to him, if you know you've done something wrong, if you know that you're not living your life in the way that he wants you, if you're not in full alignment with his purposes, call upon this merciful God and he will bless you and uphold you, strengthen you and take you on. Such is the great mercy of God. I, I mentioned during, at the beginning, fairly near the beginning, how there was this similarity between Jesus and Jonah. In fact, that they were in both in storms, both fast asleep in storms. There's another amazing sort of link over here as well, isn't it? And you probably all know it. Three days. Jonah was in the belly of a whale. Three days in a stinking belly of a whale. Could you even comprehend that? How frightening that would be? That's, that's the end of me finished. I ain't coming out here. But in it all, he prays to God. He seeks God. He calls upon God. He repents. And God has a plan for his life. And after three days, he's out. Who else came out of a tomb after three days? Jesus was in a tomb for three days. Not because he was learning repentance. Not because he was seeking God's mercy. Because he had overcome sin and death on a cross. And he was being prepared by his Lord for glorious resurrection power and walking out of that tomb after three days in the fullness of God, in the completeness of God, in all that God had set before him accomplished. Similarity, not the same. How God reigns and he is merciful and he loves you and he is for you and is not against you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.